hello, Wednesday midweek Bible class. Now, gonna sound a little congested because I am. This is being recorded in the middle of March and March in Tennessee is beautiful uh, where all of the killer, killer blooms come out to the Bradford pears, tulip poplars, ragweed and such. <clears throat> and lucky me, I'm very allergic. So, but I'm not dying. Uh, I'm not that lucky. So I hope that you don't mind hearing the Patrick at the bottom of a well voice today. Where are we going? Well, spoiler alert, you probably saw on the list that let you know that there was a class today. While Paul was under house arrest and writing those books we've looked at recently, like Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, he had people come and go, and some stayed with him longer than others, and that was just the nature of that situation. One of those people that cared for Paul was a physician named Luke. He wrote a book about this time. In fact, he wrote two books during this time. And those two books take up over 24% of the New Testament, if you want to do a word count. <clears throat> Paul wrote a lot more letters, but they weren't always as long and detailed as Luke. We know a lot about Luke, actually, not only from scriptural references, but from uh, sermons, letters, and docu other documents from the first couple of centuries. Luke was a physician, uh, another good reason why he would be attending to Paul. He was also a historian, and those of you that, um, that like Christian evidences should really get into Luke. There is an Irish mathematician um, who writes some of the best books out there, and all of a sudden his name went away, hang on, John Lennox, there we go, John Lennox. Uh, he is a colleague of Richard Dawkins, he was a colleague of Christopher Hitchens and the other new atheist, but he is not an atheist. Uh, John Lennox is the top of the mathematical heap. He has the, he's a professor there uh, in mathematics at Oxford, but he's debated all of these guys. And one of the things he's put out there is, you keep saying, he's talking about the atheist, that the gospels are not reliable, but look at Luke. Now, there's a book out there that he wrote, uh, John um, Lennox, called Gunning for God. Gunning for God. It's not a big book, it's not a long book, but I'd say the last third really deals with this. You see, there was a time where Luke was really picked on. Uh, you can go back into old history books and read old lectures. A hundred years ago, uh, even 70 years ago, where they would list the 40 major mistakes Luke made showing that Luke was not historical. All of those have been proven wrong. All of those we now know Luke had exactly right. Luke was very precise, like a physician would be. He was also very precise, <coughs> like a doctor would be. Uh, not a doctor, I'm sorry, he was a doctor. Like a, an artist would be because he was also an artist. The Eastern Orthodox churches, of which there are many, many, many millions of uh, believers in the various Eastern Orthodox churches, do not have statues in their churches like the Roman Catholics do. Instead, everything is 2D. There's nothing 3D is allowed. And so those 2D images on a board are called icons. And it is considered that Luke is the father of iconography because 
Evidently, he did a lot of painting like that. Regardless, just an amazing guy. And I really like Luke because of the details he puts in there. And I like also that he puts stuff in that he could not have gotten without interviews. For example, he's the only one that tells you what Mary was thinking, what Mary said. He had to have gone to Mary, sat down and interviewed her like a good historian, good reporter would. So he's already written Luke. <coughs> he's already written what we call the, the, the Gospel of Luke. And he wrote it to a person. Now the person's name may have been Theophilus. I know it says Theophilus, but Theophilus means lover of God. It also means friend of God, one who is warm to God and loves God. All right, so we don't know if that was an actual name. You hear the ice maker? It's just going great today, isn't it? Uh, we should do these on Monday. All right, anyway, um, he's, uh, he's already written the Gospel of Luke, but we're not looking at those because I've been doing for years just Jesus stories. Uh, early at Fourth Avenue and for the last year uh, at our safe harbor. So a lot of those stories are already out there. We will eventually come around and do a year on the Gospels, okay? But that's not, it's not in the hopper yet. Why then aren't we reading it? Well, because we're covering it elsewhere. We're gonna go to part two. Theophilus might have been a person's name. Uh, that would not be unsur uh, you know, a surprise. But there are those that argue, I, they think it's really either to a person who is just known as the friend of God, or it was written to all who are friends of God. It's rather like um, your, one of your tiniest books in the New Testament. John writes it to the elect lady. And there's a big argument whether this is a real lady or whether he means the church. Once again, they did not write these to us. They wrote these to other people, but they were written for us. So, have we set it up enough? We're ready to dip into the book of Acts. This would have been written just like Luke during this period of imprisonment of Paul. The date for the book that is generally given, uh, and there are a lot of reasons for it, is 61 AD. And that's the one I'll hold to. All right, 61 AD. Acts 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's the gospel. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. <clears throat> after his suffering, <clears throat> sorry, he uh, showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's a good writer, and he sucked me in already. Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, instructed his people, and then he was taken up. But before he was taken up, he gave a command to his apostles, stay in Jerusalem, because the gift is coming to Jerusalem, so you better be there. <clears throat> I cannot help but think that he would give the hard eye you know, to several of them, because if you remember, 
before his crucifixion. He told them, go into Galilee and I'll meet you there. Go into Galilee, I'll meet you there. They didn't. They locked themselves up in an upper room in Jerusalem, afraid to go anywhere. So now he's saying, <clears throat> now you need to be in Jerusalem. Stay there. Oh, by the way, <clears throat> some of you are thinking, well, this is, this was taped back in May, I'm sorry, March. Why didn't he just wait <clears throat> a few weeks till he felt better? We <clears throat> are absolutely dedicated to you, and many of you are absolutely dedicated to us. Your gifts sustain us. I mean, it pays my mortgage. It feeds me and my wife. It's hugely important, but it also shoves Jesus out to brand new places. Just this week, in the last 48 hours, we've learned of five other house churches being set up in states from Washington to Florida. It is staggering. So if I delayed and then got seriously ill or injured, there'd be a gap. So we try to record these, even if it sounds terrible. All right, apologies, apologies, but we hope the contact, content is acceptable. All right, <clears throat> don't leave. Something's coming, you're gonna be baptized. Let's talk about baptism. Baptism was a big thing to the Jews. It wasn't in the Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament didn't really talk about it. There was a cleansing that one did before you went into the temple. There are other cleansings. But it was in the intertestamental period, that 400-year period between Malachi and the first books of the New Testament, <clears throat> that baptism really came into its place. And baptism was not always for forgiveness of sins, although you were cleansing yourself, you were repenting. Baptism was, was very often you declaring allegiance to a rabbi, to a teacher. So you'll hear Paul say, for example, <clears throat> Uh, in whose name were you baptized? You know, which, which rabbi are you following? So they're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Think of that. <clears throat> we don't really get this. We really don't. Because when people think about being baptized by the Holy Spirit, some of them go immediately into gifts of the Spirit, and then the knees begin to jerk. Those for it and say it has to be those for it and say it's good to have, those against it saying it's probably self-delusion, and those who are against it saying absolutely evil stuff. I don't know why, but we seem to have a real talent for breaking up and fighting each other. This baptism with the Holy Spirit, they, they don't know anything about what's coming, except that the Holy Spirit is coming. And that would have shaken them to their core and that would have made them pull back and go very quiet, almost afraid to think. Why? Because the Holy Spirit to them was a massive, powerful being that only God knew the secret things of the Spirit and only the Spirit knew the secret things of God, the scripture says. <clears throat> the, um, think of, of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and then we get a picture of it. What, what's down there? Chaos. Darkness, seas tossing chaos. Then what happens? The Holy Spirit hovers over the water and boom, order begins to be put in there. And yes, it's a poem. It's not intended to be a scientific treatise. That's not the point, set that aside. The, the thing is, 
The apostles knew when the Holy Spirit came, he changed everything. <coughs> By the way, <coughs> I'm gonna use the, uh, the pronoun he, though to be fair, <coughs> the Holy Spirit often uh, God used female language for the Holy Spirit. And it's really difficult for my brain to get around the differences, uh, but there are many good books out there I'm sure you could find. But I'll call him he, but I could absolutely call the Holy Spirit she because of many of the words used, tenses and such, that in these languages indicate a gender. So... All right, I just gotta pick one. I don't wanna say he and she every time. So here comes the promise. When they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? That's a little heartbreaking and, <clears throat> you know, from our distance, it's a little funny, but it's really heartbreaking. Jesus had been telling them from day one, my kingdom is not of this world. My people are not gonna be defined by one race, color, geography, none of this. It's going to be a kingdom that goes all over the earth, but it belongs in heaven. We will be, if we join this kingdom, resident aliens. But people read the Old Testament <clears throat> and they were disappointed because they took these prophecies to indicate that Jesus was coming to set up this earthly kingdom, kick the Romans out, reestablish the, the temple, reestablish the worship, clean out the priesthood to make sure that it is exactly what God intended. In other words, take them back to the days, the glory days, the height of David. In fact, when I talk to Jewish people today, they will tell me they don't accept Jesus because he didn't fulfill all the prophecies. And I, I understand what they're saying. And we remain very, very good friends. But I do gently say, is it possible that he did, but that you misunderstood the prophecy? That it wasn't, he wasn't gonna ride in with a sword and kill Romans. He was going to end human laws and end human <coughs> anger and war by love and a cross. It's a struggle. And I can understand Jewish people being struggling with it. They're struggling. After all of this, they look at him and say, well, do we take it back now? And Jesus could have done many things here. <coughs> he, could have, um, he could have said, you idiots, ever so slow to hear, slow to understand. He'd done that before. <clears throat> he could... Um, he could have said, all right, let's go through it again, but he didn't. Once again, we see Jesus not so much interested in winning an argument or making sure you've got it right. He just wants you to be with him. Look at this. <coughs> it is not for you to know the dates or times the Father has set by his own authority but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, in earlier than chap in, in the chapter, 
Luke alluded to Jesus ascending into heaven. Now he's going to tell, set the scene and show it to you. Once again, Jewish people did not write like we write. Neither did the Greeks or the Romans. They, and one of the, the stark examples of this is the, uh, uh, the Minor Prophets, 12 books. The Jews call them the Book of the Twelve. Uh, Christians divide them up into 12 books. Joel is really the preface, the foreword, the laying of the scene for the others. And yet it happens in the middle. And so in Christian Bibles, they moved him around. They, they tell stories different. Whenever you try to superimpose a Western view upon these stories, it, it just really, uh, that leads to a lot of problems. So we get to see it. He referred to it, here it is. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. A cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. <laughs> That's a great scene. They're just standing there looking which is exactly what you and I would have done. We would have been going, what? Is he coming back? I haven't seen him do this before. This is new. And as they're standing, two angels come by and go, hey guys, guys, quit staring. Start doing. Think about that. Don't freeze in place with the wonder of it all. Instead, he did tell you to do some things. Start. It's almost like that, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. A uh, very uncomfortable uh, story in scripture, uh, very, uh, certainly for Peter. Come on, buddy. This is what you're saying. I want to see what you're doing. Now, we're not saved by acts and works. We all know that. But the book of James tells us, and we went through that. Um, it was written long before this. The book of James tells us that faith without works is dead because, <clears throat> sorry, what does it matter if you believe? If it has no real impact on you or your neighbor or the world. I'll give you an example, all right? Um, I've never been to Bulgaria. And if you're wondering, every place I've never been, I'd like to go except for a couple, all right? But let's say, Somebody comes up to me and they say, do you believe that there's a Bulgaria? I say, yes, absolutely. Well, why? Well, I've seen videos, I've had testimony from books, travel guides, cartographers, National Geographic articles, that sort of thing. Okay. And then look, do you have faith in Bulgaria? No. I believe it exists, but that's not the same as faith. Faith would require that I change my behavior because I believe there's a Bulgaria. For example, this morning when I got up, I got dressed in the dark, you could probably tell. <laughs> I didn't say, now, I better not wear that shirt because there's a Bulgaria. And when, on the way here, uh, the famous Nashville traffic uh, brought me to a standstill for a while. And I didn't say, I really like to curse right now, but there's a Bulgaria. See what I mean? If you believe in Christ, there will be movement. Think of Hebrews 11. 
by faith Abraham went, by faith Abel offered. By, after by faith, they put a verb. And so I often ask myself, Patrick, what was your verb today? What was your verb? And not to judge myself or to beat myself up, but rather to remind myself that faith requires some movement. All right. I said, what? Come on, guys. You know where to be? Be there. When they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk. All right, I'll explain. <clears throat> the, the rules were you could not work on a Sabbath day. And so it was not a, it's it like a three quarters of a mile. Those of you in Canada or any other country in the world that uses metric, it's about a thousand meters, maybe 1100 meters. That would be a Sabbath day. They, they had decided that you could walk that far and that wasn't working. But if you walked farther, that would be work. So they, uh, and by the way, some people <laughs> were cheating the system uh, because you, they would say, well, you can't walk that far, farther than that from your, your property. Well, they would take broken bits of pottery, which were all over, uh, they're yours, and every three quarters of a mile throw out a part. Now, we still haven't left her. Yeah, we're still close to our property. Well, <clears throat> God's not happy with people who try to game the system. Anyway, so they go to the Mount of Olives. Um, have you ever noticed how God calls us back into garden situations? The very one we blew up in the Garden of Eden, he keeps bringing us the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, he keeps bringing us. And in fact, the word paradise means a garden. He keeps wanting to bring us back. Like Joni Mitchell said, back to the garden. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were, see, he's a, he's a historian. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and, Zud, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. I want you just to be aware as we go through, especially the first part of this book, that there is an insistence that women's voices be heard and that they participate. And most people read it their entire life and don't see it. So get ready. I want you to be prepared to see some things that you had not seen before. Mary, the women, all of those, his brothers are there. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering, Luke adds, about 120, and said, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. I, I really like this statement from Peter, he doesn't stand up and say, well, you know, Judas was just an awful person. He goes, you know, David prophesied about this a long time ago and the scriptures are fulfilled. And Judas, who shared in our ministry, did lead the mob to arrest Jesus. There's almost a little affection in there and an understanding that Judas doing something even horrifically wrong, doesn't mean that they were a worthless person. Think about this. Both Peter 
and Judas denied Jesus the night of the arrest. Both of them deserted him. Why then do we call our kids every so often Peter, but we never call them Judas? Well, there's only one difference. Peter repented and came back. Judas quit. As long as you come back, forgiveness is there. You don't have to meet my standard of behavior. You don't have to pay me back if you did harm to me. Just get back to Jesus. It'll be, and there's a little affection here. And it writes, uh, this looks to be actually not in the originals. And you can look and you can see a parentheses around verses 18 and 19. There's argument about whether Luke wrote all of this or some of this, or whether it was all a margin note that worked its way into the text. The NIV tries to indicate these by putting parents around them. With the reward he got for his wickedness. See, that doesn't sound like Peter after what he's just said. Judas bought a field, there he fell headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, a keldama, that is field of blood. And the next line, four, said Peter. So it's obvious this is not from Peter's mouth. We interrupted him mid-sentence. And this little marginal note gets shoved in, and now Peter's back talking. Four, said Peter, it is, oh, oh by the way, that was not unusual. Uh, in plays of the day, you would have a person whose job it was to uh, the players would stop and they'd run out and they'd say, now remember this and then over here and wait till this happens, ready, and then get out and the people would start talking again. So this is normal. For Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the day or the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So Peter says, looking at the, the scriptures, there's one of them that says, may his place be deserted, nobody fill it. But there's another Psalm that says, May another take his place of leadership. So Peter is saying, I think we're supposed to make a 12th apostle. And they're about to. But you need to notice something. What do you know about Matthias from the rest of scripture? Nothing. You don't see God telling them to do this. They read the scripture and assumed that this verse trumped that verse because he's done one against one four here. And therefore they had an obligation to fill that slot. It is, whenever somebody misuses scripture, be aware they did too, because they're humans. Peter was a very human apostle. He goes, therefore it's necessary, we gotta do this. And you'll hear people say that. Well, we've got you know, a house church now, we'd better, we'd better set up um, an eldership and who are the deacons gonna be in a, really? Really? There might be a better way to have shepherds. There might be a better way to work that works today wherever you are. Kyrgyzstan, I think, will look different than Turkey, which will look different than Paraguay, which will look different than Canada, which you get the point. Regardless, they proposed two men, uh, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, 
not unusual for people to have several names according to which language group they were speaking to. And Matthias, then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Well, it's a, it's a way to see what God wants, but it's also a form of gambling. There are several ways. One, you could stick a stick in the ground and then when it fell, the one it pointed to. Uh, golfers do that a lot. On the first tee, deciding who hits first, they'll throw a tee in the air and wherever the tee points, that's casting lots. Throwing dice to get high, high number, that's casting lots. Cutting the deck to get the high card, that's casting lots. So yeah, that's a form of gambling, um, but they believed it was a quick way to figure out what God wanted. Notice that he didn't say to do that, but neither do we see them punished for this. So once again, God's a lot more tolerant of us than we sometimes make him out to be. And a lot of times we, uh, we act as if, well, he didn't give any authority for that, so he's not gonna let you in heaven, where all of these examples, even going back to the synagogue, he didn't give authority for the synagogue, but they did it anyway, and Jesus worshiped in it. Paul preached in it. It isn't a matter of God has to declare with the thus saith the Lord everything, or we can't do it, or all of these guys are in trouble, and they're not. Luke just makes the record. He doesn't make a judgment. Well, got a few more minutes. See if the voice will hold up. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And here's where people get really picky because they have a point to make. Who's the they? Well, <clears throat> in a church tribe I grew up in, they did not believe that common people ever had miraculous spiritual gifts unless you know, they were a one-off. and. They certainly didn't believe women were given any voice or gifts to, to do public ministry. So even though the first part of, cha of chapter one, verses 15, 16, we have women, prominent women, one of them named, they say, no, no, the Holy Spirit only fell on the apostles. And they'll look and they'll say, see, they're named here and they're talking about them so when the pronoun comes, you have to go just one slot back. But that's not the way English works. It's not the way most languages work. It can mean that, it can mean the other. You have to figure it out as you go. And it actually tells you in chapter two. So let's do a few minutes, we're gonna take a break. <clears throat> then I'll record for next week. You'll see the same shirt, the same clogged up head, all right? Yay, exciting. You see my wife put up more of my Irish crosses and the, the cross in the middle actually comes from the Isle of Skye in Scotland. So um, she's, she's trying her best to civilize me. We've been married 43 years. It's a hard road. So suddenly a sound came like the blowing of a violent wind from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Well, this has created some confusion, but first of all, there was no wind. It says there was a sound of wind. There were no fires. There were what looked like tongues of fire. I think of um, the old Star Trek series where they would uh, energize and transport you from one place to the other and you'd melt into this shiny bits and then be put back together at the other end. I am a bit disappointed we don't have that yet. Uh, that said, little shiny things started to appear as well. And each of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Not unknown tongues, not angelic tongues, but other languages. In fact, look, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. So none of them heard Babel. None of them heard something they couldn't understand. They heard in their own language. Utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men who are now speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? And then we get a list. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, they come from Crete, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language, our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. All right, we're gonna wrap this up here a little bit. First of all, the last verse we read, uh, verse 13 of chapter two. Uh, Never underestimate people's ability to throw off an absurd explanation for something they don't wanna deal with. If you want examples of this, turn on TV news, um, talk shows, you'll, it's what you'll hear. I'd recommend you don't, just take my word for it, but hey, do your own work. That would be science. What's going on here? Why are they so amazed that somebody can speak their language? Because they're Galileans. To the people of Israel and the surrounding areas, People from Galilee were considered intellectually wanting. And they had an accent that was considered to be so thick that they could not be taught any other languages. So here are these people that are common folk, were not educated, and they are speaking other languages that sound like a native. That's blowing people's minds. It's like if you remember Jeff Foxworthy and his, um, his very thick Georgia accent coming in and speaking perfect French, perfectly inflected Chinese, Cantonese, or perhaps Hindi. And you're going, well, how did that happen? And he turns over here and he speaks in Latin, turns over here and he speaks in Arabic. That would get your attention. The gift of tongues was to allow these men 
and women, I believe, next week, hang in there, to um, spread the gospel faster than they ever could. They needed to be able to speak the languages of the people they met. So more about that next week. Thank you for hanging in there. Uh, I, I will get better. That's what happens, you know. But in the meantime, take care of yourself. Thank you for giving. It has just been a godsend. It truly has. It helps tremendously. And this, these broadcasts, every, almost every day, I get startled by a message about how far they're going. Thank you. You did that. God bless you. See you next week.